was born. I told you before, the king is born. And I told you before, the king is born. My name is Drew Daniels, and I'm so excited to be in front of a ton of New England Patriots fans to watch the Lord's anointed one, Tom Brady, bring home a sixth Super Bowl ring. He is a bad man. So excited for today. I'm just kidding. Where are the Eagles fans at? You making noise, Eagles fans? Okay. Well, that's good. Well, hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Drew Daniels. And I work with uh, the young adult ministry here, which is called 1829. Yes, much love from the one person in the room. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, because we have a cool announcement that's coming. But here's the, here's the reason why I'm excited. 
is because if you're like me, I'm, I'm kind of in my later 20s. For, uh, for anybody in here who's in a young professional in their 20s or you're a college student, um, what, what can be really tough is actually finding meaningful relationships in your life. It can be tough to have community outside of maybe your coworkers if you're in the working world. And even in college, it's hard to sometimes branch out and make meaningful relationships, especially if you're on a faith journey and you're really trying to discover and seek who God is for you. Uh, maybe you have some images of God of who he was when you were in high school or growing up or Sunday school or maybe even from your parents. And so you want to maybe begin to find that uh, place of identity between you and God as you get older. And so I'm really excited because we announced, we announced this at our leadership gathering, which is a, a few weeks ago. Uh, but it's this, is that our young adults ministry, which is called 1829, is going to start meeting every single week on Thursday nights here at the Troy campus at 7 p.m. every single week. Very exciting for us uh, because this is an opportunity for so many young people to make to, to have relationships and begin to pursue God. So every week we'll have worship and teaching and a lot of it's going to be a very relationship based uh, time together. So I'm just very excited. And so if you're a young adult, I would love to just meet you. Uh, we have a table set up in the lobby. If you go outwards and to, to this direction in the lobby where there's a table, uh, you can get some more information and just kind of ask us some questions about what, what it's going to look like. And, and we can even give you a calendar of our events. And uh, so I'm just very, very excited for, for this change. And uh, I, hope, I hope to see you there. So that's really exciting. And then secondly, today, because we're talking about the Super Bowl, uh, we're talking about what it means to be on a team together on mission. So we are having a volunteer uh, recruitment weekend here today. And uh, here's what's so great about volunteering is that uh, with Kensington, it's such a big church. Sometimes it's hard to really get to know people and to branch out and to find your people here. And so serving is an amazing way to actually maybe get to meet some people. In fact, we've had people get to know each other and get married who have served together. So if you're single, just serve on a serving team, you know, feel me? Uh, And so join a serving team, whether you are, you know, jealous of the guys who are in the yellow polos, which are going to be blue polos now. I'm very excited for that. Uh, Or uh, as a a signature at Kensington is that we have a traffic team that's out out front greeting people. And we've had that signature for a long time, trying to make people feel welcome as a first impression. And maybe you want to help carry that on in this place and make others feel welcome in their very first impression if they're a little afraid to come to a huge church. And lastly, maybe Maybe you have an affinity for young children, and uh, it would set a fire in you and a passion in you to, to serve in our, our nursery or our K-Kids ministries. Uh, we have all those opportunities. So, in fact, you came in, you got a card, and you can check a box. Even right now, if you want to take that card out, you can kind of scan the many opportunities. You can write your name in, and then you take this card after service, and then you can hand it and start a conversation with somebody out in the lobby. Just get more information. Once again, we're not going to make you overcommit or anything like that. Just, just something. If, if you're burning for something, then maybe you can check a box and just have a conversation. In fact, for me, the very very first time I ever served at Kensington. I served in our high school ministry at Birmingham campus, and I, I led a group of sophomore guys, and man, I was just so on fire for it. It actually helped me want to start to go into ministry even more, and so it was what I do, what I do today. And so maybe for you, you want to you wanna burn a little bit more between you and God and not just come to the seats every week, and actually you want to go make a difference. And so this is an amazing weekend to, to really be asking God what he's, he might be doing in your heart. So that is this weekend. And the other thing is we do have a a rather um, a rigorous volunteer boot camp that we have. Um, being at Super Bowl weekend and, uh, you know, many NFL teams, they have combines where they test the skills of all their players to make sure uh, we do this kind of thing here at Kensington. Don't, don't be intimidated by it. It's just something that we do. Uh, but before we kind of show you what that looks like, uh, stand up and tell someone next to you who you think is going to win the big game today.
welcome everyone to the very first Kensington Volunteer Combine. I'm Jim Andrews. I'm Greg Wilson. And with today's events, we kick off the volunteer season, volunteer draft just a few weeks away. This is a big day for those hopefuls, isn't it? That's right, Jim. And all of these participants will have a chance to strut their stuff in front of these volunteer leaders in hopes of standing out a little bit and possibly being drafted onto their volunteer team this year. It's especially going to be tough for those who are on the fringe this year. Great. They need to have a good showing today if they have any chance of being drafted. What exactly are the scouts looking for in this combine? I'm glad you asked that, Jim. They're looking for quickness, good decision-making, strength, and, of course, a giant lion's heart. Well, Greg, it looks like our candidates are ready. So let's take a look first at our usher prospects that seem to be warming up right now. Looks like our first usher is Brian. That's right. Brian comes to us from our Clinton Township campus. He's been working hard on the fundamentals this year. Let's see how he does on the pouch shuttle run. And as you can see, he's fast out of the blocks, and he's making those turns very well. He's looking very good. I think he's going to finish strong. Wow. Absolutely, Jim. That was a solid run by Brian. Anything under eight seconds is exactly what our scouts are looking for today. Well, Greg, it seems like Brian has set the tone for the rest of the Usher candidates. Let's take a look at, uh, yes, I believe this is Barb. Yes, Barbara comes to us from our Birmingham campus. She's always performed well, but she's looking this time to do something, something a little bit special. I can tell. I can see it in her face. She's got a smile. She already knows she's going to finish strong. Crossing the line with strength. And she does. 6.911. What a great time. Jim, that was an incredible run that all but guarantees Barb a first-round spot. Now, not only was her time amazing, but she also handled the pouch very well. There's no way Barb was going to fumble that pouch. Oh, we have a replay. We can take a look at what you're referring to. So it looks like she has a great grip on the pouch. Yeah, you can see how she kept two hands on the pouch. So often you see ushers one-handing it out here. This was very well done by Barb. Well, we have another hopeful to look at, and this is Toby. Yeah, we're expecting great things from Toby today, Jim. Uh, he looks fit as a fiddle and ready to ush. He's a little nervous. Oh, oh, oh no. that's devastating. This is yeah. terrible. Yeah, now that's the point I was making earlier, Jim. You, you have to keep two hands on the pouch at all times. That really jeopardizes Toby's chance in this year's draft. I really feel for Toby. You can see the frustration in his face. It's going to be one more year that he sits on the bench and is not part of the usher team. Jim, perhaps someone from the prayer team can take that young man aside. Right. Well... At this point, we should probably take a look, a peek in at our nursery worker candidates. Uh, yes, Jim, this is one of the hardest but yet most critical drills, the dreaded dirty diaper drill. Ah, uh, the DDD. Each volunteer will be timed in the changing of that nasty thing. Well, and it's not just the time, Greg. It also must be clean. Is that correct? No, that's absolutely correct. The last thing any mother wants is some duty on her baby's booty. Well said, Greg. Uh, let's take a look at our first person. This is Rachel, and Rachel seems to be ready to roll. Uh, she's confident. She's very methodical. She comes to us from our Troy campus this year. Looks like she's got experience. She's showing it right now. A little trouble getting that wet nap out, but she's got it, and it looks like she's probably going to finish very, very strong. And she yes. does. 10.173. That is strong a great finish. time. It's a very uh, strong... Not so fast, oh, Jim. Boy. Let's take a closer look. Oh, no. Oh, wow. no. That's not going to fly. That is not. No one wants that on their elbow or any place on their body. She's going to the locker rooms. Jim, cleanliness is next to godliness. It is. Well, let's see if we have any better luck with our next candidate. And this is Michael. Michael's looking sharp. 
Yeah, Michael comes from our, from our Orlando campus. He's a rookie this year, starting out as a new dad. Out of the blocks very fast. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was impressive. Very impressive. And it looks like he feels really great about his performance. Yeah. As he should, Jim. Uh, go ahead, Michael. You really own that diaper mess. Straight. Yeah, straight from the Danny Cox School of Dance. He does need to be careful. There might be a celebration penalty there, Jim. Could be. Well, as much as we'd love to continue to watch the moves that Michael's making, we do have one more event, and I know it's near and dear to your heart, Greg. It sure is, Jim. This is my personal favorite. This one is known as The Post. This day and age, everyone is concerned about safety. You're absolutely right. What this drill does is challenge our security candidates to do whatever they can to stay on task and not get distracted. Well, I think they can do it because we have Blake and Katrina. Yeah, strong competitors. They seem to be able to withstand what I don't think I could withstand. And by the way, is looking good in yellow required? Well, it's not necessarily required, but definitely a plus, Jim. Well, they're underway. Yeah, they're concentrating hard, trying to make sure that nothing gets by them. That's uh, very, very disappointing what just happened yeah, there. It is. It is. Tell you what, you can't be fickle when you feel the tickle, Jim. That's true. Well, especially when everyone's well-being is at stake, Greg. Yeah, I believe the scouts have a much clearer picture who they'll be taking in this year's volunteer draft. Well, there you have it. An overall good day at the Kensington Volunteer Combine. Back to you, Danny. All right, so you probably had no idea how intense we are about our volunteers, did you? Come on, you're like, no, I didn't. I'm definitely not signing up for anything today. No, we just, we love to have fun today. I tell you, if you're a new person, in fact, I walked in with someone that's brand new today. I said, hey, uh, it's a different deal today because this is our third holiday. That's kind of what we call it at Kensington. We have Christmas, Easter, and then Super Bowl. Why? Because this church was started by three quarterbacks, two of which played in college, and one is still the Lions chaplain. He's been that for 30 years, uh, Dave Wilson. So we have fun on Super Bowl. We really do. For me, uh, you know, I don't really, I'm not really close to either of these teams. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Like, that's my, I was born in Pittsburgh. Please, give it up. What are you booing me for? Come on. Lions are good. Pittsburgh's better. But, but I grew up in the 70s, man. I grew up with Stallworth and Bradshaw and Franco Harris and, you know, Mean Joe Green. These are my guys. You know, we had the terrible towels when I was a kid. It was awesome. Anyways, all right, enough of that. But I love the Super Bowl because I love the fun facts. The fun facts always really get me. And so I looked at some of them this year. Think about the first Super Bowl. How much was the average price of the ticket in the first Super Bowl? Just start shouting out answers. $6. This year, the average price is what? Yeah, $5,000. Did you guess that? $5,000. Average, average price. You know, I'm sure there's tons. That's why it averages out to. Crazy, isn't it? Now, here's something Americans be super proud of. T today is the second biggest food consumption day of the year next to Thanksgiving. Yes! <laughs> you know, so there you go. I love it. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll order 12 and a half million pizzas. 1.33 billion chicken wings. Unbelievable. Now, you're going to have to check this last kind of fact. I read that during halftime, when we flush the toilet, the water is equal to seven minutes of Niagara Falls going over the falls. I'm not kidding. Check me on that, but that's what I, that's what I read. But today we are going to have fun. We're also going to really look at what this game can teach us. And so Andrew, Kim, and I are going to split up our message. We're going to split up into quarters, four quarters. Why? Because there's four quarters. By the way, 
Is there anyone in here that doesn't care about the game? Just yell out. And do you watch the game for the commercials? Boom. All right. So I watch them for the commercials too. There's going to be commercials today. There's going to be a halftime show. I think Justin Timberlake is going to come and rehearse. No, he's not. What are you? We don't have that kind of money. Anyway, but we're going to have fun and we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. And so this is what's going to happen. We're going to take the word team and we're going to break it out into four quarters with a halftime show. First quarter T is going to be trust. Second one is everyone. Third one is going to be attitude. And the last one M is going to be mission. So that's what we're going to look at today. And in order for us to stay on time, we're going to time each quarter to eight minutes. If we go over, we have a referee. So I'm going to bring the referee out. Come on out there. Let's get this game going. That's awesome. Lead pastor, Danny Cox. Teaching pastor, Andrew Kim. Danny representing the home team. Andrew from Canada representing the Tundra. <laughs> Let's do a coin toss. Tails. The... Tails. Tails. Here we go. Is that legal? Tails. It is. Home team shall be receiving. Let's wait eight minutes on the clock. All right. We'll get it started. Eight minutes it is. Come on, they already started. Go, go, go. Boy, get out of here. All right, here we go. I've got eight minutes, man. I got to fly and you got to stay with me. Listen, first one, T, trust. One of the most greatest moments in my life, if I look back over my life, have always incorporated some form of a team. Now, of course, you have individual powerful moments. But when I look over my life, the memories that I'm going to have I've been around it's some sort of team. Either it's my family, really young family, my family now. I think about my group of friends, my neighborhood friends when I was growing up. I think about troops of actors and athletes and artists. I spent 25 years in the music business. And some of the greatest moments I had were a little band of brothers and sisters that we would create something together. And it was transformative. I'll say this. This church, this church team to me is one of the greatest teams I've ever been a part of. Now, yeah, here's why. I don't even look at this church as a team. I look at it as my family. I really do. This is a second family to me. And you've watched Amy and I and our kids. I've watched some of you for the last almost 18 years just grow in faith. And we've grown together and we've seen amazing things. And I'll tell you something. This room in our community, Kensington community at large, is the most, one of the most powerful teams. I couldn't even imagine being on another team. And I'm not just saying that so you go, oh, he likes me. No, I'm telling you that because I really believe it. I really believe it. Teams are powerful. And for any team or community or church or family to become great, there has to be a component to it. One component, and that's trust. It to be this core component of trust. Because without deep confidence and trust in your teammates, in your family, nothing consistently great can be accomplished. But when trust is at the center, when it's at the center, something transcendent can happen. Something great can happen. In fact, I remember one of my clear memories as a musician, I was in this amazing uh, Latin jazz band, unbelievable players, national level players. We just had so much fun for years. And one night we're playing club is just packed. People are dancing. It was, it was the kind of band where I was a drummer. So we did drum solos like four or five a night. I'm like, I'm in. And we would go. 
And it was awesome. The energy was really high. Never forget this night. When we started playing, there were some nights that it would just, you'd feel transcendent. You'd kind of float over and everyone was connected. And you didn't have to think about a thing. It just came out. We've had those moments. I know you've had those too. And so we're playing and playing, and it's going and going. It's building and building and building. And I forget. All of a sudden, the lead guy takes his guitar, puts it over his head. He screams as loud as he can. He just throws it on the ground and breaks it into pieces and walks off the stage. I was like, what is he doing? He goes, I talked to him later. I'm like, you ruined your guitar. He goes, it was the most amazing moment I've ever had. Have you had that? I've had those moments. I've had them with you. And there's something beautiful when you have trust between people that you can have these transcendent moments. Now, how do you build trust? Here, I would say it to you this way. If you were going to build a team right now, a little group of 10 or 12 people, who would you put on it? What names are in your mind right now? Maybe even write them down. And here's what I would say to you. You would probably pick people that were gifted, no question. But I would bet that you would really pick people that were people of peace and people of integrity. People that had integrity. You want them on your team. Why? Because we trust people who over a period of time are consistent with their actions, their words, and their life. We trust people who have an ability to serve others, to lay down their agendas, to lay down their egos for the betterment, betterment of the, the mission and the team. People who are trustworthy, people who create trust. There's a great leadership book called Extreme Ownership. It was written by Navy SEALs. Uh, and they had an incredible tour of duty in Iraq. And they learned these unbelievable leadership principles. And one of the authors talks about this, this ego that can happen on a team. He says this, everyone has an ego. Ego drives the most successful people in life. And it isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can be good. But when ego clouds our judgment and prevents us from seeing the world as it is, then ego becomes destructive. When personal agendas become more important than the team and the overarching mission success, performance suffers and failure ensues. Many of the disruptive issues that arise within any team can be uh, attributed directly to the problem with ego. And so people of integrity, now he's talking about life and death and what they're dealing with. People of integrity tend to be people that keep their ego in check. They tend to be people of humility. And humble people make great teammates. That's what I found. Now, Jesus came to teach that exact principle. This principle, he was humility embodied in a human. And Jesus came to teach this principle. In fact, think about this. When Jesus entered into the world, his mission was to embed in every person an operating system that would last until these days that were for last forever. And he had this mission thinking, how is he going to accomplish it? Now, he could have done it any way he wanted Anyway, and here is the strategy that Jesus had. I'm going to assemble 12 people. I'm going to train them and teach them this operating system. I'm going to send them out in the world. Handpicking these 12 people. That's crazy. But that was his strategy. And I think that's what he's saying to us. And he handpicked these people and guess what happened? They had problems. Because egos arose. This is what happens in Mark 10. Now, in this moment, Jesus is walking with his disciples. And he's going to tell them what's going to have to happen to his life. And it's an intense moment. He says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death. 
deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. But three days later, he will rise again. Now, Jesus told this to his disciples. Now, you would think they would say, oh, wow, what does that mean? We're so sorry. You know, here's what his close, some of his closest disciples said directly after this. James and John said this to Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That was their response. Now, my daughter, it's really simple. Just happened the other day. Phone rings. I pick it up. She goes, Dad, how much you love your daughter? Now, the minute that happens, you know what, you know what I say now? What do you need? Right? My daughter right now is in the lobby. She's taking care of those walking tacos. So if they're bad, just blame her. But this is exactly what's happening. And Jesus plays along. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they said this. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. He said, here, let me think about myself. Can you make sure I'm taken care of? I mean, yeah, you're going to die and all that stuff. That's fine. But I want you to elevate me. Now, Jesus called all them together in this moment. He said this. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentile lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But he said, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be among you, uh, great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is re- Killing me. Killing me. 30 seconds. Come on. A little bit more. I'm almost done. Let's explain the passage. (laughs) All right, listen. Here's what culture would say. Stay with me. Here's what culture would say. Culture says this to us all the time. It's about us. It's about you. Your life, do whatever you want. Jesus is saying to them real clearly, it's not about you. It's about this family that I'm creating. And it is about serving each other. It's about laying your life down for each other. And that... You will build trust. Now, one quick thing. John 14, 1 says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. And when you look at that word belief, you know what it means? It means to entrust, to place your trust in. It's an active word. So if we want to be trustworthy people, you know the first thing we need to do? Place trust in Christ first. And he starts to create in us integrity. He starts to create in us a person that is trustworthy. Boom. 30 seconds. Penalty. Penalty. (laughs) Intentional grounding of the biblical passage to make it relevant for the audience. Results in a new quarterback and a new pastor after the commercial break. (laughs) On by midnight. 11. the second time this week. What happened? <laughs> New receiving team, Andrew Kim. Put eight minutes on the clock for the man from Canada. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Good morning. It's awesome. You guys having fun? 
Fantastic, fantastic. And something that I, I recognize is that there are probably very few Patriots fans here. In fact, some of you probably really dislike them because you think they're just a bunch of uh, cheaters. And so and I can understand that. But any Tom Brady fans in the audience here? Yeah? yeah? I would imagine there are. He's a University of Michigan product. And when it comes to Tom Brady and the Patriots, I love them. I'm a huge Patriots fan. And so even though I just came from Philadelphia, that's who I'm going to be cheering for today. And when you look back at the past two decades in the NFL, the Patriots have been the most dominant team in that they have made eight Super Bowl appearances, won five of them. And hopefully this is number six today. At least that's what I'm hoping for. And something that the Patriots, and I know that all great football teams know, is that they know that every single person on their team is important. And they know this because that if they're going to achieve their goal in winning a championship, they recognize that every person on their team needs to know and fulfill their role. So that's why great teams know that there are no bench warmers, there are no second stringers, there are no practice squad players, but everyone is important. From the star quarterback, to the kicker, to the person who cleans the locker room, it takes everyone for them to win that championship. And it's no different with great companies as well because you see it with great companies. Because great companies value everyone because they view everyone as vital to their success. And churches are the same as well, or at least they should be. In that in church world, everyone is important because everyone has an important role to play. So that if the church is going to actually accomplish its mission and its purpose, it requires everyone to know and fulfill their role. And this is what the Apostle Paul said, in that he wrote, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And so what Paul was saying was that he uses, he illustrates the diversity as well as the unity that's present in the community of God by using the example of a human body. And then he goes on to say, if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, you know what, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The ear can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So this is what Paul is saying. He is saying that if our bodies are going to realize their full potential, it requires every single part to contribute and function as it was designed. And in the same way, if the, if the church, if the community of God, which this community is a part of, if we're going to realize our full potential, it requires every single part, every single person to function in their God-given role. It requires all of us. And so if the church is going to accomplish its purpose and its mission, it doesn't require just some of us. It requires everyone. 
And a number of years ago, I read this book called Fusion that was written by a man named Nelson Searcy. And in the book, he said that after a lot of different studies, he studied human behavior, he did a lot of consulting with a lot of churches, but he found that it's within the first seven minutes that a first-time guest will decide whether they're coming back to a church or not. Within the first seven minutes. And that clock starts ticking as soon as that person drives into the parking lot. And so, if you can imagine, when somebody comes on to this campus for the very first time, and I was a first-time guest here at Kensington back in August, so it was very, very similar to my experience and my family's experience. But when you drive onto this campus for the very first time, the first thing you're probably going to do is you're going to park your car, and then you're probably going to get out and you're going to start walking towards the building. And in that process, you'll likely see somebody from our traffic team. And then you'll walk into the building and you'll be greeted by somebody at the door, and then you'll likely go, you may go to the info desk because you, need, you want to know, where should I go in this place? What should I be doing? And so if you have children, you'll probably, which I do, you'll probably be directed to the K-Kids table to register to sign in your children, and then you'll take them to their classrooms. And if you don't have children, you might grab a cup of coffee or a bottle of water. But at that point, it's probably been seven minutes. And for, so for most people, they've decided whether they're going to choose to come back or not. And the incredible thing is, is that here at Kensington, across all of our campuses, every single weekend, we have 13 to 1,500 people for whom it's either their first, their second, or their third visit. 13 to 1,500 people. And the reason why so many people choose to come back is we have incredible people who serve every single week at our various campuses, who know their role and fulfill their role with purpose, with passion, and with joy. There are people like Norm, who serves on our traffic team on most weekends, on a lot of weekends. So he's out there braving the cold, the heat, all of the elements on a lot of the weekends. And a couple weeks ago, Norm shared a story. And what happened was that a couple weeks ago, he was out there doing what he does out in our parking lot, and he saw two women walking towards the building. So he went up to them, welcomed them, introduced himself, and he found out that in the course of that conversation, that was their first time here at Kensington. So he walked with them into the building and he brought them to the starting point table where they could ask any questions they had and also hear more about our community and how they can get connected. And when I heard that, I thought that was amazing. Because if you're a first time guest, which as I mentioned, I was back in August, this place can feel a little bit overwhelming because it's a big building, there are a lot of people here on the weekends, tons of things going on. So to have someone care enough and take the time to not just point you in the right direction, but to actually walk with you where you need to go and show you where everything is, is incredible. And I can imagine that those two women, they felt loved, they felt cared for, and they felt welcomed, which is probably one of the big reasons why they chose to come back the following week. And every single week, we have so many people like Norm. Just to give you guys an idea as to what happens here on a week-to-week -week basis, we have every single week 550 to 600 people who give their time, who volunteer their time every single week. And combined, they contribute more than 2,200 hours a week, almost 9,000 hours a month. And at minimum wage, that comes out to a value of more than $80,000 a month, almost a million dollars a year. It's incredible. And, it's, and they give of their time like this because they understand that in order to reach everyone, we need everyone. And so if you're here and you want to jump in, 
one great thing that you can do, because Drew's going to come here in 10 seconds, and he's going to blow that whistle in my ear really, really loud. I just want to mention this. If you want to jump in, all you have to do is fill this out. Every single one of you should, should have gotten this. <laughs> Let me finish this thought. Let me finish this thought. <laughs> Let me finish this thought. 30 seconds. 30 finish. seconds. So all of you should have received one of these things, and all you have to do is fill it out, take a look. All of our teams are on this thing. Fill it out, drop it with one of our ushers, and I promise you, you're not gonna have to go through any type of combine, other than maybe if you choose to go to the nursery. Those people, they're a little bit strict there, so they're gonna put you through uh, the, the ringer there. But uh, for everything, I just we, we would love for you, if you haven't jumped in yet, we would love for you to jump in and to sign up. Or if you want, you can go out into the lobby and have a conversation with someone there. Thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy the halftime show. And while you're enjoying the halftime show, our ushers are also going to come forward to receive the offering. And if you're a first-time guest here, please do not feel any obligation to give. Instead, what we'd love for you to do is that after the service, to go out into the lobby and to have a conversation with somebody at our starting point table. And they have bright orange shirts with a big word, starting point. And we'd love for you to have a conversation with them as to how you can get connected into our community. Thanks so much, everyone. Enjoy the show. Penalty on the teaching pastor. Misplacement of the offering. Penalty is declined. The ushers can come forward during the halftime show. Yeah. 
give it up and you'll see. Got my tux on with Saint Laurent. Got to kiss myself, I'm so pretty. I'm too hot, oh yeah. Call the police and the fireman. I'm too hot, oh yeah. Make a dragon wanna retire, man. I'm too hot, oh yeah. Awesome. Just doing a quick review, because I forgot to mention the, the E, but so we're just going to go through all of them, because I, I know they're on the side screen, so I know you guys are fast learners, so you probably caught the E. But going back to the T, what is the T? Can you remind me of what the T is? Trust. Awesome. And E is? Everyone. And then we're going to be talking about A right now, which is attitude. And the type of attitude we're going to be talking about is an all-in attitude, which is something that every single great team has. They have an all-in attitude in that every single player on the team is willing to do whatever it takes, give whatever is needed, and they are never, ever will give up. And they have this attitude because they want to win that championship. They want to achieve their goal. And you see this not only with sports teams, but with so many other teams as well, whether it's in business or academics. You also see it in church world as well. And prior to being here at Kensington, I was at a church out in the Philadelphia area. And this church, when it first got started, it was started by a team of people 45 years ago who had this attitude, who had this all-in attitude. And when they first launched the church, the church grew very, very quickly because a lot of people came because they wanted to hear about this Jesus person that they were talking about every single Sunday. Because for a lot of people, that was the first time that Jesus made sense to them and actually applied to their everyday lives. So they came. And they not only came, but they also invited and brought their family members, their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers. So this church grew very, very quickly. And they started out meeting in an elementary school, quickly outgrew that, that space. They moved over to a middle school, and they were sort of busting at the seams there. So they had a decision to make at that point. They could move to another temporary facility, or they could potentially buy a, a building or a piece of land. And an opportunity came up for them where they could purchase a piece of land and then build their own building on it. But there was one problem for them. They didn't have any money. And so they went to the bank and they said, hey, can we have a loan? Can you guys give us some money so we can buy this piece of land? And the bank said, we'll do it, but we want some people to co-sign on it to guarantee the loan. So what ended up happening was the original team of people who started that church, they mortgaged their homes so that the church could buy 
so that the church could get this loan and ultimately buy this piece of property. And the church is still on that property today. And one of the people who co-signed on that loan was a man named Bill. And Bill, at that time, he had a son going off to college. He had other children at home who he needed to support and who would be going to college very soon. And he said that when he signed that piece of paper, he was scared to death because he didn't know whether the church would fold in, a, in six months, a year. Who knows what would happen? He was scared to death. But he and every other member of that team signed that piece of paper because they so deeply believed in the mission and purpose of that community that they were all in. They were willing to do whatever it took, give whatever was needed. And that's also one of the reasons why I love this community so much. Because the people who started Kensington, Steve Andrews, Mark Nelson, Dave Wilson, they had this all-in attitude. They still have that all-in attitude. And this past week, Steve Andrews, he was telling us that before Kensington ever started, what he did over two summers was that he knocked on 3,000 doors. 3,000 over two summers. And he had 1,400 conversations with people in their homes just listening to them about their thoughts, their opinions on church. And that, to me, is all in. And then they launched Kensington. That's crazy. Knocking on 3,000 doors, 1,400 conversations. That's doing whatever it takes, giving whatever is needed. And this is also what the Apostle Paul said as well in the Bible. And this is what he says. He, this is what he wrote to a bunch of Jesus followers who were living in this ancient Roman city of Colossae back in the first century AD. And he writes to them and he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever it is you do, work at it with all your heart, he says. And Paul, in this portion of the letter, he was writing, he was talking to a bunch of slaves. And I could imagine for them, that's not what they wanted to hear from Paul. They wanted Paul to tell them, hey, you know what? Because you're you're being forced to work in these terrible conditions, because your slave masters are treating you so unfairly, so harshly, just do whatever you got to do to get by. Don't worry about working so hard. That's probably what they wanted to hear. But Paul actually says the total opposite. And he says, when you work, work at it with all your heart. Give everything you've got. Be all in. And the reason was, he says, because when you work, you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. When you work, he says, you're not working to please your boss, but rather you're doing it for God, which changes everything. And every single one of us here have probably been on a bad team where the people on the team didn't have this attitude, where they weren't all in. How many of you guys have been on that team? Awesome. So most of us, if not all of us, and a lot of times when people think of bad teams, they think of group projects at school or group projects at work, and they always look at the person across from them, and they're like, that slacker, that person's so horrible. But we've all been on those teams. And the thing with those teams is that when those teams face adversity and challenges come their way, rather than uniting Closer, rather than bonding closer together, they end up fracturing apart. When they face challenges, what those types of teams do is that they point fingers and they start assigning blame. They start making excuses and potentially even looking for the closest exit. But on teams, on great teams that have this attitude, one of the things that happens is that there's a shift 
in mindset. And the shift in mindset is, is that people with, who have an all-in attitude, teams that have an all-in attitude, they are willing to set aside me in service of we. And it becomes all about the team and the team's success and the team's goals. And so when difficulties come their way, for these types of teams, what happens is, is that they, rather than fracturing apart, they come closer together. When they face adversity, rather than pointing at each other and assigning blame, they take responsibility and ownership, and they're quick to extend forgiveness. When someone on the team experiences success, the team celebrates like crazy because the success of the team is more important than their own individual success. And I wonder what would happen if every single one of us had that mindset because we were all Imagine if every single one of us had that mindset. And I truly believe that this, the team that we have here at Kensington is a great team. But with every single great team, every single great team isn't just satisfied with where they are. They are continuing, they are always continuing to try to get better. And so what if we also did that? We just didn't simply rest on our laurels, but we continue to get better. And that we want, and we try to foster every single day more and more of this attitude of being all in. And so that when adversity and challenges came our way, which will happen with every team, rather than pointing the finger at somebody else, we were quick to take ownership and responsibility and extend forgiveness. <laughs> and here we go. Okay, I have like two seconds. Finishing the thought, 30 awesome. seconds. And so I think, what if we were actually all in? And so when that actually happened, rather than pointing fingers, that's what we did. And that when somebody experienced great success in our community, that we, what we did was we celebrated because the team's success, this community's success, was more important than our preferences and our opinions or us getting any credit. Imagine what we would be able to accomplish as a community and more importantly, what God would be able to, be, would be able to do through us. Penalty That's on good. the offense. 30 seconds. Too many men on the field. Father, son, and Andrew Kim, too many men on the field teaching them to people, resulting in a commercial break and a new quarterback. Don't get up. No sex for a year. Want to make it too? <laughs> I don't know if you've been there before. I would have got up after that first one. I'm like, whoop. I've been there. I know that thing. Hey, this series, it's just a phase. Is it going to be a great series? You know, I had a conversation last night with someone that said, man, we, we don't have kids or, you know, you, you, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to come. I said, look, come here because here's the thing. Many times we don't realize that this is a parenting series. And you may not have kids or you may have dreamed of having, you don't have them yet. And you, you be in all kinds of situations. Here I want to say to you, there is a world out there of children that need parents. 
All kinds. So this vision is really a vision of parenting in general. So come back and join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, fourth quarter. I choose the fourth quarter for one reason. I can go into overtime. So I have no clock. So it's my time now. So I can go as long as I want. Boom. So I don't need, I don't need overtime because I'm Tom Brady. So here we go. Trust everyone attitude. And the last one is this. It is mission. Mission. In the extreme ownership book, the author says this, the best leaders and teams are not driven by ego or personal agendas. They are simply focused on the mission and how best to accomplish it. All elements within the greater team are crucial and must work together to accomplish that mission, mutually supporting one another for that singular purpose. If they forsake this principle and operate independently or work against each other, the results can be catastrophic. Here's what I know. Great teams, great families, great relationships, great businesses, flourishing communities, live, move, and breathe mission. They know their purpose. They know their focus. They strategically are always walking towards mission. Now, I'll be honest with you. For most of my life, I didn't have a mission for myself. I didn't have a mission when I first got married. I even didn't have a mission when we first had a family. And I was just, we were just running. (laughs) We were just surviving. And all of a sudden, I remember one time with, with my wife, Amy, I said, Amy, I think we need a mission. Like we need a mission statement. We need something to hang our leg. And that was really a turning point for us. We need a place to focus. We need to know where we're going. And God knows this about us. He knows this about his children. In fact, all throughout, in the beginning of scripture, all the way through to the end, God is breathing out his mission to his people. Genesis 12, 2 says this. God, this is really where God decided my people need a clarity. They need a mission. So Genesis 12, 2, God comes to Abraham and he says, listen, I have a mission for my people. It was, it's really simple. He goes, I'm going to bless you, my people, so that you can be a blessing. It's really simple. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out onto you and pour into you. And by doing that, you are going to have the ability to go and then bless others. Genesis 12, 2. And then if you move a little bit further into Exodus 19, I was just talking to my youngest son about this particular scripture. He brought it up last night. I know I'm going, hey, I'm going to bring that up. Uh, I, I taught that last night. I'll teach it today. Exodus 19 is a beautiful moment. Because God said, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Exodus 19 says, guess what? If you obey me, he's talking to his people again. If you obey me and keep my commandments, guess what's going to happen? You are going to be my treasured possession. You are going to become a royal priesthood. What a great moment. One author and missiologist says, when you become God's treasured possession, what do you do with a possession that's treasured that you hold on to? You know what you do? You display it. You hold it up for people to see. God, in that moment, Acts 19, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a royal people. You're going to be a holy nation. And you're going to be lifted up among all nations so that they can see who? Me, not me, God. So you're blessed to be a blessing, Genesis 12, 2. Exodus 19, you're going to be this royal priesthood. And then when Jesus comes on, he speaks to mission too. Whole time, he's talking mission. And the last thing he says in Matthew 18, as he's going to leave this earth, he goes, listen, here's your mission. And he says, all power and authority have been given to me. So then, not to you. He says, all power and authority have been given to me, so now you go. 
You go and make disciples, baptize people in the faith with the Spirit of God and teach them the ways of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, all power and authority has been given to me. So those that are in Christ, guess what? You have access to power and authority through Jesus. To what? To go. To go and to make disciples. To baptize people in the faith. And to teach them the ways of Jesus. Now, just a little bit before that in Matthew 22, Jesus makes it even more simple. He says, you have all these laws. All these things you're holding on to. He says, I'm going to boil it down and make it really simple. He says, it's called the greatest commandment. He's like, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws, all the prophets, all the commandments hang on this one. Simple. Love God. Love people. What people? All people. All people. That's a mission. God says, I'm going to pour into you and I'm going to give you power and authority. And then guess what you get to do? You get to love the world. Now, for most of my life, this was the world I loved. I love my world. I'm awesome. And when I realize that I'm really not. Now, there's a lot of interesting things here, but I realize I'm not that awesome and it's not worth all my attention. God was like, hey, it is important that you love yourself, that you know that you're valued, that you know you're of unsurpassable worth, every single person in this room. But God said, that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where your mission starts. That's why Jesus came and he took this tiny little group of people, 12 people, and he poured into them. And he said, you are of unsurpassable worth. And I'm going to teach you the operating system of how to love other people. And when I leave here, guess what your mission is? To love the world. And to train other people to love the world in my name. Mission is critical. So today when we're doing this whole volunteer, we're having a lot of fun. And we're doing this volunteer training. And we're asking you to step out. We're not asking you to step out at Kensington and say, Kensington really needs you. Come on. Let's go. Serve. Do something. That's not what today's about. Here's what today's about. I really believe that when you take a step into a community and you start to serve, God starts to show you who you really are and what your ultimate mission is. So today, when you walk out of here and you fill out that card and you hand it to someone, you go to a table, it is about you taking a step more into the mission of what God has for your life. Last service, my friend Scott Newport was here. It's an amazing story. Scott's gone through a lot in his life. He lost a child at a young age to a very rare disease. And it rocked his world. He's a real raw guy. He's a poet, but he's raw and he's a builder. And he started having a vision of how to love the world through his loss of his son. You know what he starts to do? He starts to write poetry for kids that are, at the, that are struggling in illness. And he, starts to, he started going to U of M. And he started to hand these handwritten poetry right into the story of these kids. And then all of a sudden he started to say, hey, what if I started to build beautiful gifts for the family? So that they will always have a memory of their child. And it has blown up. He travels around the country. He's in the highest level meetings. And they're asking him, how are you doing this? He's like, hey, I've got more ideas. 
Because I want these kids to know that they're loved. And I want these families to know that they have something special. And God's wired me to love the world. And I'm going to do it in my unique way. So when you step out today, it's not about just this church. It's about stepping out and trying to discover your unique design. How you're made. How you're wired. How your life is kind of converged and starting to emerge. And how you love the world uniquely through God. Mission's critical. And we learn how to trust. We learn how to see everyone. We learn how to change our attitude and to understand what it means to be all in. By the way, Jesus was all in on the cross when he gave his full life. And you start to learn the mission of God, the powerful mission of how he chose to love this world through broken people. And by the way, we're all broken. But boy, I'll tell you something. Something transformative happens, transcendent happens when you're on a little team. I'll tell you, you know what happens? It's like my friend who holds his guitar up and he can't take it and just smashes his guitar. That's how I've felt so many times in this community. We see God do unbelievable things. And when that happens, guess what? It's unstoppable. It's unstoppable what God can do in this world. Unbelievable. That's the mission you're invited into. That's it. You're invited to be his team. And we're saying, come along. This is one area. Step in. Let's go. Let's see what God's doing. So that's what today is about. It's about is it about the Super Bowl? It's about something so much bigger than the Super Bowl. So much bigger. Now today is going to be fun and we're going to gather with people. But I want that image in your mind. As you walk out and you step out to serve with us. That is the mission. So I'm going to pray, and then our team is going to come out, and we're going to sing. We're going to put melody to this idea of an unstoppable God. We're going to put melody to the idea of this king that is king of our hearts. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can laugh. Thank you that we can have fun. Thank you that we don't take ourselves so seriously. Father, I see you many times as a father that has a lot of joy with his kids. Father, we also know that you desperately want us to come to you to know that we are loved and to move out on mission to reach people, to love people like you did. So, Father, we desire that. Lord, help us even in this moment as we stand and we sing out these words that we realize that we can follow an unstoppable force in you and that you can be king of our hearts so that we can give our hearts away to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like and if you can, uh, to stand up. And to sing these words out if they're true to you. And uh, let's have some fun.
awesome. We serve a God that's unstoppable and will never let us down. So when you leave here, step out. You give us some instruction. Absolutely. What do you do? Before you go, we'd love for you to jump in. Just fill out this card, drop it with an usher, or you can go outside into the lobby and have a conversation with somebody at the table. All right, so we start our start new series. It's just a phase next week. We want to see you there. We got midweek happening at Orient Campus, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. If you need prayer down front, we'll meet you out in the lobby. We'd love to shake awesome. your hand. Our whole team will be out there. Have a great week. Have a great Super Bowl. Go Eagles! <laughs>